Hey, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Rapping with Refum. I'm your host, Keith Perkelhammer. So, on today's live stream, I welcome Jay Brown, also known as Unorthodox Reap. What's up, Jay? Hey, man, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Thanks for joining. I, I see there's a lot of fellow Canadians joining the stream here. See uh, some awesome. uh, Cindy, Reef Girl, and uh, who else was uh, from Canada? Peter T. So everybody's kind of um, finding the stream here, and I welcome everybody back to the uh, to the show. Um, just for those that don't know who Jay is, I'm gonna just um, give a couple of um, brief facts. Jay has been in the hobby for over 20 years and has an online coral aquaculture business, unorthodoxreef.ca. He's in Canada, Ottawa, Canada specifically. His um, 400-gallon reef was actually featured recently on Reef to Reef as the Reef of the Month, so maybe you'll uh, recognize the name Unorthodox Reef from that. That uh, was an awesome profile, man. Enjoyed uh, reading it. Oh, thanks. Thank you. And uh, we'll certainly be digging that in, into that in the, um, in the live stream. Jay also has a really big following on Instagram, over 12,000 followers now on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. It just, it just kind of took off over the, the last couple of months. Or, yeah. So uh, you're, um, yeah. you could find him as uh, unorthodox underscore reef. I guess there's another unorthodox reef on Instagram, huh? I think so, or maybe I just did that. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> just to space that. I don't know. I was kind of think, trying to think of a name at the time, and it was the only thing I can think of. So Got it. All right. Well, before we uh, dig into the conversation here with Jay, I just want to thank the uh, sponsors for the show, both Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine. Appreciate these companies supporting the show and the, uh, the live stream, and I also appreciate everybody out there tuning in. And as always, um, please contribute to the conversation ask questions in the chat and if you haven't already please hit that like button so more people can find mm -hmm. the stream so jay man tell us about your reef keeping journey you I, I mentioned you've been doing this for over 20 years how did it all begin oh wow um i think it all it all began my mom owned like a bakery a long time ago um and i was helping her do a delivery and one of the local stores at the time had set up a tank um in a restaurant and uh i saw it and i was like what you could have a reef tank in your house <laughs> so that was amazing to me like i i knew from like we had one store i went to that just had saltwater fish and i'd already at the time had fresh water that i converted to slowly to salt water um but i didn't know you could actually have like coral and shrimp and all this stuff right so that that kind of that that took off and then you know right away you're i'm out trying to make money to buy live rock <laughs> <laughs> right because at the time it was like 14.99 a pound or 9.99 a pound um i still have that rock so that, that's kind of yeah cool. hold on to it man that's uh, um yeah I, rare I've kept, stuff. kept every piece pretty much i i bought for that for 20 what kind of live so. rock uh, is it um eh, it's a like some some stuff i have no idea um i know i have a lot of uh Fiji, mm. I have, um, uh, what is it, uh, Pucani. Yeah. Um, most of my scape is Pucani, but I bleached it and then built it dry. So I kept majority of my rock in my sump and then bleached that. So, um, but then, you know, so after, you know, the, the live, got, got live rock, set up a tank, and then it was just from there, 
just so, slowly just exploded into what so I So you have started, now. you jumped right into a reef tank. You didn't start with a freshwater tank. No, I had a freshwater tank as a kid, always, yeah. from when I was like probably four years old and on. Um, guppies, then cichlids, and Oscars, uh, brackish fish. So it was all, always had fish in my life. I guess, right? Some of us are like that. You know, I, I was the same way. I, yeah. um, <clears throat> I didn't really have fish when I was a kid. My, my father had a, um, you know, fish only, uh, tank, saltwater fish uh, okay. tank. So that was like 125 gallons and, and, uh, you know, no corals at the time. My first fish tank was a, uh, a, a two gallon, <laughs> a two gallon, uh, tank that housed some, um, a Siamese, uh, fighting fish that I won okay. at the, uh, at a festival in New York city, you know, one of those, um, fishbowl ping pong ball, uh, yep. game type of things. And I won a, um, a pair of, um, Siamese fighting. Oh no, I think it was goldfish. I think that's what I won. Goldfish. Okay. And, and survived. I, 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 no, did not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I bought the two gallon tank and then, uh, eventually I didn't know what the hell I was doing and it died. And then of course that just morphed into bigger, bigger tanks. And <clears throat> yeah, and, uh, yeah, I got into saltwater. So what was the first, um, how, how big was your first saltwater tank? Uh, I think it was, I'm going to say, uh, a 30 gallon, like a 29 basic, like Petco tank. Yeah. Um, and then I bought a 65 gallon, like the, the three foot by 18. And then I had that for a long time. I had seahorses. Um, cool. And just easy corals. And then I got a, I went from that 65 right up to a 125, I think. And then That's made my own big. lights. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right, man. I got to ask you this question. Uh, what's behind the okay. name Unorthodox Reef? Ha. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I always do things my own way, kind of like so. Make usually make my own stuff. Um, do things a little bit differently, try to, or don't follow all the trends, just do what I think's right and do it. Um, so I was trying to think of a name at the time, like what, what's different. And I was making acrylic, uh, like custom acrylic stuff at the time for friends and stuff. And I was trying to think of a good name and it was hard. So it, it just, it just ended up, I wanted something <laughs> that ended in reef that meant different. So I was just doing like the Google, like search for whatever. Right. And then I, now I'm stuck with it. So. <laughs> well, you know, Probably. you're, uh, I guess you always have choices, uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, especially since you got over 12,000 followers on Instagram, I think uh, yeah. that would definitely not be wise decision to all of a sudden change your exactly, name. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Change the Jay's reef or something, right? No. So this is, uh, <laughs> I mentioned in the, uh, the intro that this is more than a hobby to you, right? You have an online business. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of taken a lot away from the hobby. Um, but sometime oh geez last last year um i converted my because i used to always sell frags and trade frags um and use that money to upgrade my tank yeah. and i'm like you know what i should actually do this legitimately um so i started you know a shopify website and got my you know all the tax numbers and everything in place and um so now yeah, i'm legitimate i donate uh, portions of my proceeds to the canadian cancer society in memory of my dad um, and so far it's been good. Uh, I mean, I spend more money on my tank than, <laughs> than I could than ever make. Right. But, uh, no, I noticed that on your website, it says you donate 50% of your proceeds to the, um, yes, this year I'm doing that. That's yeah. incredible, man. 
very uh um, oh, very yeah. um, um just impressive so fantastic um all right so we were talking before the live stream about uh, you mm -hmm. say you're uh, you're unconventional you're unorthodox and all that sort of thing and you were describing to me the way that uh so you mentioned to me that that your um your 400 gallon tank is in the basement where you're at right now yes <laughs> and and yes. then we started and i asked you the question so how do you get a 400 gallon tank in a basement because i have all my tanks in yeah. a finished basement and i you know they went through the um the door and that door jam is maybe um you know 34 inches wide or something and i've got a 225 gallon tank yeah. but it's only 20 inches tall and my other tank is only 24 inches tall so um 400 gallon tank man how uh how did you get it into the basement okay well it started with uh I figured out I was going to do it. Um, so then I got a tape measured. I measured, took the window out, measured what's the biggest tank I could fit through this window. Um, ended up being my, I, my window is like with the framing and everything out, I had 29 inches by 42 and a half inches wide. So, so I ordered a tank from Miracles Aquarium in Toronto, um, which ended up being uh, 36 inches, but with the overflow box, 42. So I had half inch clearance and 28 and a half tall. So I had half inch clearance, both sides made sure that they got that dimension. That's plenty. Right. Yeah, that's plenty. <laughs> right. So, um, I probably should have just put the overflow box on myself. <laughs> Would have given, then I could have went deeper. Um, so I went and picked it up five hours away, um, with a tank cause you're, you have to go slow. Uh, mm. and when I got home, I had uh, two of my friends here to help me. Um, so we moved it with just three people. I built a 30 some foot ramp that was from my basement window outside to the same height as my truck. 30 so foot could, ramp. Yeah. So just two by sixes. So I basically like a dock, but I did with the two by six runners on top. Um, and then I went to like the back of my truck with the tailgate down and then I just, Kind of tried to guesstimate with the weight of the tank how the height of the tailgate would be when I set the ramp and then had so what was stands. it was the tailgate parallel to the window I mean or did you have to like go at an angle so I'm lucky in a way that um, my backyard has like a a slope so I was able to kind of build the ramp out far enough that I can get it to a point where it's just a slight incline towards the, the house. Wow. <laughs> so, um, and then, so when I pulled up suction cups on the tank, we pulled it out of the truck and dragged it, well, rolled it on uh, one inch, like uh, plastic dowels, basically PVC pipe, but solid. Yeah. yeah. Um, rolled that and I had it. So they were, the ramp was set up. So it had a quarter inch clearance. So it would clear the windows. Um, rolled it into the basement onto another ramp, like a stand I had built for the tank, and then um, picked that stand up with one of those um, hydraulic pump carts. Yep. They, they rent them at like a lot of moving places. Um, and then, so lifted that up um, and then take, took my frame apart quickly and then rolled it over to the stand and slid it on with just three people. So. And you were saying that it was really just two people because the third person was just kind yeah. of directing traffic. 
and making sure I wasn't hitting any, like, yeah, directing traffic and watching. So it was basically, yeah. That's crazy, so, man. I mean, the biggest yeah. tank I've ever had to move is my 225. I've had two 225-gallon uh, two, mm -hmm. tanks, and um, I had to hire a crew, you know, with suction cups and all okay, that well, stuff. But yeah. uh, I didn't have, like, um, you know, the same setup as you in terms of windows where I could go through. And, and um, mm -hmm. um, so, and it was always, like, when the weather was a little dicey, you know, I, um, well, I should, I shouldn't yeah. say that the second tank, the weather, I, 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 I wised up and I didn't like order the tank during the, uh, <laughs> during the winter time. But, um, yeah, it's, um, it's always very, very nerve wracking moving a tank. And I can't, can't imagine doing that with a 400 gallon tank. And uh, with, well, you mentioned weather. Like, so I ordered my tank and it was like six months or so. Um, and it, it came in end of November um, so we had, we had snow and freezing rain and then it melted and I'm just like, okay, I got, we got to go get it next weekend. Hopefully it'll be ready. Cause after that, like, I don't want to be, you know, how many, if, if there's, we got a foot of snow and I got to roll it, like shovel the snow on the ramp <laughs> and it's freezing, like windows out in the house. So. Yeah. I, um, my, my 187 gallon tank was moved in <clears throat> during a snow and ice storm. And, and we had to basically go around the side of the house down a hill so there was no, um, you know, flat area. There was no cement walkway or, or flagstone or, or what have you. Oh, wow. It was like grassy and it was very slick. And, and yeah, I um, had a big sigh of relief when that tank made it inside yeah. the house. Because when, uh, when the guy showed up, the mover showed up, they said, like, listen, you know, given the weather, we can't guarantee, um, you know, that that uh, we're not going to bring that tank in safely. So you're going to have to just kind of like waive that um, that that piece of it in terms of the liability piece. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I was like, dude, I got I got no choice. It's going to be like 20 degrees tonight. I can't leave the tank in the yeah. uh, in the garage. I'm afraid of the uh, you know the silicone seams being mm -hmm. uh, compromised by the uh, the seriously cold temperature. I was like, let's just go for it. But um, so what what um what features do you like to have in a custom tank? You know, uh, if 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 you had to do it again, would you change anything or? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I would change a lot. Yeah, yeah. Would you? Um, uh, I like the large overflow, um, but I regret a lot of it. So my my the, my biggest struggle with my tank is flow. Um, like I, I'm trying my hardest not to have any pumps in the ends. It would solve all my problems, but I, I just, it's hard for me to do. I, I put them there. My flow was perfect, but I, I just couldn't. So having that overflow box, uh, five feet long across the back, I can't put any pumps. Mm, yeah. Well, I can't put an MP40 or MP60. Um, so I've got tonsies in there, but even so, because it's in an overflow box and the tank's three feet deep, I got to get on a step ladder, move my lights reach in try to grab them the magnet falls off for the on the tunsy um and yes. so yeah so i wish i i had two external overflow boxes that were smaller yeah with a separation in the center so I'd, I'd have space for an mp60 or something um i would i wouldn't have drilled the back top corners floor for my returns um that's always been a pain because you put lock line and you try to you know put it close to the surface but if there's a power outage the in a 400 gallon tank that's a lot of water that goes to my sump i even have i have anti-siphon setup for my returns 
um, which yep. is basically a reverse check valve. Yep. But if it, it fails sometimes, so um, it's, yeah, I don't uh, I don't trust check valves. I really yeah. um, get very nervous with that, and so yeah. I basically just keep my return lines um, near the top of the uh, the water yeah. line, and so Same. when the uh, when the power gets cut, there's not a lot of water that I can back siphon in. Um, you know what? Let's let's run the uh, the video. So Jay was okay. was real kind to put together a uh, a video for for a few minutes of the uh, of the tank and the equipment. So I probably jumped the gun in terms of starting to dig in on the tank because a lot of people might might not uh, have seen your tank before. So okay. we're gonna let's run the video and then um, we'll come back and talk about some more of the uh, specific stuff. So let's uh, let's roll the tape. Hey everyone, uh, this is my tank. It's eight feet long, three feet deep, 28 and a half inches high. I'm running Tunzies and MP60s for flow on the back wall. It's a mixed reef. Try to keep, keep it clean. Um, I wanted to have that clean look. I've got Radeon XR15 G5 Pros and Reef Bright xhos for lighting i made my own kind of light holder mount here and all the radions can slide back and forth if i have to adjust them um, i wanted xr15s just because i wanted more spread over a three foot deep tank as you can see um, and there's there's plenty of par it's a mixed reef as you can see this is my kind of softy zone or LPS zone. Philly in the back and some leathers. My Fiji, yellow Fiji leathers close right now, unfortunately. Sorry, guys. Um, oh, there's my Regal. He's a beast. So far, he's been amazing. Over here, you can see this structure. I have supported by a one and a half inch acrylic dowel bonded to an acrylic plate. You can see you can kind of go all the way around it. I wanted flow to really travel well in this tank um, and not trap too much detritus. Uh, there's my Kenji Angel. He's been amazing. Like he, he picks here and there, but so far just amazing model citizen. Love him. I'll walk around to the back room. Next to my tank, I have, this is my fish room. No, extra ESP. This is where I do fragging and maintenance. Saw, I have a sink. Still a work in progress. There's invert QT tank, some fish QT tanks. Uh, frag tank, which is connected to my display. A Fujium, another frag tank below. Um, I made all these tanks. Uh, they're all out of acrylic. That one's four foot by four foot sump. I've got a, there's my dosing pump. Pretty simple. Just forehead dosing pump. That's all I do. Um, Trident. I kind of use it to monitor. I don't, I don't let it control anything. Uh, UV sterilizer. I've got a NIO skimmer. 
I run my filter socks at the back to keep my pumps clean or when I'm doing maintenance, pretty much. All of my wiring and controllers and stuff for the Tundies are back here. I keep all my bricks in a cabinet with computer fans that run when the lights are on, just to keep them cool. I want them to last. Just 10 over my tank plus the reef rights. And we are back. Wow, man, that's a lot to talk about. The um, <clears throat> the one thing I was going to uh, mention at some point during the show that's that's not a cheap angelfish, the Kenji angelfish. And, and uh, yeah. Cindy mentions like question for Jay: Is your fish stock list complete yet? Any others you plan no. to get? It's not complete. It's never complete. Never no. complete. But that Kenji well, angel, man, that thing is like that's yeah, not dream cheap. Fish. Dream fish? No, dream fish. No, I think it. I remember reading an article a long time ago in Reef Builders um, about it. And I was like, I got to have this fish one day. I'm like, oh, I'll never be able to get it. Um, and then our, we have an amazing store in uh, Toronto called Candy Corals. So he messaged me. He's like, I've, I've got a, a Kenji Angel. So he hooked me up. I was lucky. Uh, yeah, um, I would I would uh, probably never um, personally invest that kind of money yeah. because I'd be scared like, just crazy, you know, that the thing would, um, you know, kick the bucket on me. But, um, you know, I've never been Keep, like a, a, a person that, that, um, would spend a lot of money on fish, but, okay. um, one of my favorites is the regal angel fish. And I saw you had a regal in yeah. there too. And, um, I've got a, uh, a miss bar regal, which is kind of like my Holy grail Amazing. fish, yeah. you know, I just, you never, you see them rarely, but, um, they yeah. are around. The regal was, was like my, like, oh, just a thorn fit. Like, I could never keep a regal. I'd always oh, really? get bad. Well, I'd just get a really sick one or a bad one. Um, and this regal was, like, I had him in QT months. Uh, it was just bad luck. Um, I got him. He had almost every disease possible. And then... I did, you know, 14 days copper and transferred it out and then velvet popped up. So mm. it was just non, nonstop, but, uh, he survived, um, everything. And he's amazing. Like he, he uh, comes to me every time he sees me, it's like, he's, it, it, the personality is amazing on angelfish. It's, uh, yeah. they're, they're worth every coral delete. So, uh, Marcus's reef is wondering how much is the, uh, the Kanji angel typically, what do they retail for? Uh, they were on sale um, around Christmas for like twenty five hundred Canadian. Oh, that's, uh, I, I thought like in in these yeah. in the states I've seen them like five six grand or something. Yeah, they're like five or five to seven grand normally um, U.S. So there was a, a a great deal on them this this winter. Uh, some of our stores brought in like you know fifty plus gem tanks from Madagascar. So I and they added those to the list and. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming they got good pricing because of the amount of tangs they bought. Um, yeah. Or it was part of a deal. Like you get a, an angel if you buy this many gem tangs. And uh, I got lucky. So what's a, so what's a gem tang retail for in Canada? Right now they're on sale for $4.99 Canadian. Um, which is, I mean, which is cheap considering what uh, what they were. What they used to be. Two, two years ago, yeah. The one I have, I bought three years ago, two and a half years ago. 
he wasn't he wasn't four ninety nine, unfortunately. That's <laughs> yeah. yeah, too bad you can't frag it, you know. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I wish. Yeah, no. Uh, question from Mark uh, Hibbert: Has Jason experience with the ton? What, what I guess the question is: What's your experience with the Tunzi ma magnets and the overflow? Has it been good? Something uh, sometimes having magnets in contact with water can cause issues. The Tunzis are their magnets. They seem to have a really good epoxy coating. Um, so, so far, no issues. My only issue is when I go to pull the pump off to clean the Tunzi, like if you've owned one, um, it has like a cup. Yeah. So the turbel snaps into that. Sometimes it, if it's tight, you go to pull it, it, the magnet, cause the three quarter inch glass, even though I have the upgraded magnets, I'll pull that whole magnet off and then the magnet falls in the overflow. So then I have to get like a, uh, a scraper or whatever and try to fish that magnet out that's a drag and then find it then yeah <laughs> so that's my only issue with them i mean uh, great pumps the 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 cord on them is like 15 feet long yeah so when you're cleaning them you just you, you can reach in grab them take them out put them in your in uh, muriatic acid or citric acid and um it's uh that's what's good about them but i mean and you can angle them so they, they could push a lot of water. I used to have uh, two Tunzis yeah. <clears throat> on my old 225-gallon uh, tank, and I had um, basically this back channel. I had two islands in this 225-gallon tank, and um, I had one Tunzi on, on each corner, back corner, just yeah. facing one another. And, um, yeah, man, they just you know, it, was, it was a six-foot-long tank, and they just pushed a lot of water. It was, it was awesome. Great surge, you know. They push a lot of water, and they're simple. Like, if you're just... You can use it if you're using the Apex, or you just use their controllers they come with. It's simple to set up, and you just got to watch the wave and and get it adjusted. I mean, it's nothing compared to like the Ecotech Mobius app and just sitting on your couch and yeah, <laughs> setting your flow right. <laughs> um, I wish Tunzi would come out with something like that, but uh, no, no, that they've been good so far for me. So you're um. Your aquascape is really cool. Could you uh, talk to us about in terms of how you put that together? It's it's uh, I, I I love the um, you know it's it's kind of gives you the uh, the feel that that you're in a uh, in a cave almost in, mm -hmm. in in terms of the way you've got it set up. But how how did you get the uh, the dry rock? You know. Okay. So I wanted it to be I guess unorthodox. <laughs> there you go. Um, so I wanted different. I always like the look of shelves. So my left aquascape, it might be hard to tell in the picture, but it's a really long um, shelf. And it's actually only touching the sand bed in like a 12-inch radius. Um, uh, so I wanted to make sure flow can go all the way around it. So that was made with eMarco 400. Um, that was during when BRS was doing all the videos on their negative yeah. scape. Um, so I used that and crazy glue and accelerator and bleached dry rock and slowly built that shelf, made sure it was, you know, weighted a certain way, um, and then glued it to a acrylic plate. So it has a smooth surface on the bottom. So when it's sitting on the tank, so I, and then the far right one, that's kind of shaped like a, I guess an upside down triangle. Yep. Uh, that one, I glued all the rocks with eMarco. I cored the center of it out with a diamond hole saw mm. as I went. And then slid it over an inch and a half acrylic dowel that's bonded to a half inch or three eighths acrylic plate. Um, that's so that's not going anywhere. 
Yeah, yeah, it does scare me. Like, <laughs> like I could reach in the tank and grab a corner and spin it. Oh, really? It's kind of weird. Like, yeah, so I could, if I wanted to, I could actually turn it at all times. I can spin it around the dowel. Um, so that, and I'm worried like one day our, all the acro is going to grow more on one side, and then is it going to tip over on my glass? But oh, you could I just give it a wiggle every once in a while, and it seems okay. You could just spin it around, you know, get a different view. Yeah. So <laughs> I did all that because... Uh, yes, I'm I'm losing coral placement because I have a lot of shaded areas yeah. now. Um, but I wanted a big white sand bed. Um, I wanted it to look like it's somewhat natural, but not like. Um, and with the stags on the one side uh, reaching out towards the surface, it gives it like that big like, I guess, triangle sculpture. So it was a lot of coral placement planning and. Uh, yeah, no, it's Came out. it's really cool. I mean, so how how did you um how did you plant frags on that thing? You know, did you uh, do any um, drilling in terms of holes for for frags in the escape, or you just been kind of super gluing or putting the frags? Just super glue, um, because it's all pretty like old uh, Pucani rock and um, Fiji rock. It's very porous and very light, so there's mm -hmm. always lots of crevices. Yeah, um, but it's all. You know that I usually use the there's a BSI coral glue um, and uh, or the Ecotech. Um, I just basically you know crazy glue on a finger, uh, prime the area, and then crazy glue on the frag and jam it in, and hope I don't get it in a fish's mouth again. <laughs> yeah, you know I I have I talked about it in a couple of my videos, but um, I've been having issues with my peninsula tank in terms of. Um, yeah, I'm gluing frags in and having them actually okay. stick and stay. And and I think it um I had this um biofilm that um you know was on the uh I got I started the tank with live rock. It was KP Aquatics yeah. Live Rock and um so but there was like this little biofilm on it. Was it like blackish, like kind of like kinda like green, reddish. Like... Kind of like reddish oh, okay. brownish um biofilm on it. And um so you know, I never, I never really, you know, encountered that sort of thing. But when I planted the frags, mm -hmm. I probably should have brushed the uh, the spots where I put, mm -hmm. planted the frags um, better than what I did. And it, despite, um, you know, super glue, putty, and super glue, and then the frag, they were still like falling off months later. Yeah. And and oh, wow. and then I used also Brightwell's uh, razor, which is like a polymer, and it and it just kind of like helps um, uh, loosen, you know. Uh, okay. Things that are accumulating on the rocks and and the the, the tanks like algaes and all that stuff. So I think that also kind of contributed to the uh, to the issue in terms of stuff falling off. That never happened to me mm -hmm. in all all the years I've been doing this stuff. I never had a an issue with um, with frag sticking to the uh, to the rock. So it's it's been frustrating. But I'm gonna be redoing my um, my 187 gallon tank because it's just so mm -hmm. chock full of corals and I'm gonna be swapping out the rock on it. And I've already like pre drilled holes. In the uh, oh, wow. in the rock, just to uh, see so you are tearing that down. I am doing that, yeah. Okay. In May, okay. either April or wow. May, it just depends on um, you know when I um, I get the courage to actually start ripping that thing apart. But let's not talk about me. Let's talk about you. <laughs> okay. Um, I would say every time I go to glue a frag, though, I always take a pair of uh, coral cutters, and I kind of like cut at the area and then try to chip away. Till I get a good part of clean rock and then prime the area of glue. And that seems to work, but the coral has to encrust over it. 
right quickly, i mean i had right? you know my 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 frags were like encrusting on the rock you know yeah. like pretty decent amount of uh, encrustation and they were still coming off i was like what you know it was like um even like a uh, half inch radius around the frag oh wow. and it would uh and you know like it would if it, it would fall off and i was like that is just completely bizarre completely bizarre You're, you also see in my tank i have a lot of encrusting monty yeah um i use them as like coral hold fast so a lot of times i'll extend my rockscape and then i'll glue it all together and i'll, I'll cut up an encrusting monty into like you know 20 little half inch pieces and then i'll glue that all over where i glue, glued and then eventually it encrusts and becomes a one rock um as long That's as what it's next to as long as what it it's going to encroach on it'll it'll lose yeah That's, and i guess you got to make sure that it's a uh, yeah. it's a gentle monty Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, that's that's what's happened to to me. I I put um, a few Montes in my tank, and um, they've encrusted like crazy. And mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. So it's it's um, it's good and it's bad. I mean, it's a beautiful thing because it just kind of like covers all the rock. Like you said, it bonds it together. It's a. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a really cool look to pretty much like have you know corals covering everything. Yeah. But uh, you know, and and it you know Montes are pretty gentle in in general. So you're not gonna like have an issue in terms of like um, you know creeping up on a um, on a um, on an acro. The I, only I one I've had issues like the Sunset Monty. Um, I had it yeah. take out um, a deep water acro, and um, oh, what's it called? I think a, a locani or there's yeah. a um, like a smooth skin acro. Um, I've had it beat that where it's just like a slow loss and eventually covered covered my frag. It was in a spot where I couldn't actually get it. Yeah. So. I just kind of watched it, watch it slow death. So, um, how was your um, cycling process with the dry rock? You know, what it, what was your okay. uh, what was the protocol there? What method did you use to kind of get that tank ready for um, for corals? Um, zero. <laughs> so, um, well, I had I had a two hundred twenty gallon before um, this tank, so this is an upgrade. My two hundred twenty gallon was on the main floor, um, so I connected all the tanks together. So I filled this tank up. Um, I had, so it was dry rocked, all new salt water, and heated the water up to the same temperature, matched my parameters, um, which is important. Yeah. Care for what salt you use. You want to make sure the salt you're using is going to be close to your alkalinity level. Um, so I matched the parameters and then just turn, turn the valve and let them mix together for two days or so. And then um, slowly just transfer, transferred all the fish and corals on that weekend and then shut the other tank down. So so you were able to kind of uh, seed it with a uh, little uh, mature tank yeah. water. Yeah, yeah. my mature tank water was all connected. Um, the sump was the same sump. Uh, so I had my refugium. I, I moved the, and then every coral I broke off had a chunk of live rock on it, um, which so. And then that'll help. Yeah, and then all the leftover rock from the main tank got tossed to my sump that weekend. So it was just that's it. No, no patience. I don't have patience for a. I don't. I I shouldn't say that because I don't want someone to just try to start a reef tank on a weekend. But um, <laughs> if you do it right with live rock, um, it's possible. I mean, I rinsed all the rock. I moved. So salt water. So you um, <clears throat> did you transfer you, you transfer corals in from the old tank to the new tank? 
Yeah. And any any issues in terms of uh, once that transfer was done, any uh, any die off, or was everything pretty much um, happy? And it just took a while for things to start uh, getting back into gear. It was it. Um, I had issues with lighting at the beginning, um, so I switched my lighting at the same time. Um, mm. So I switched over from. I had T5s before and um, Maxpec razors and Reefbright XHOs on my 220. Um, I switched to Radeon uh, at a lower par than what I had before. Well, so what, I was, what par was that? It, I was in some spots before I was like 500 micromoles. Um, mm. In my new tank at the top with the XR15s, when, when I set it up, I only put them at like 55%. I think I was like, it was like 200 par hmm. um, or 200 micromoles, sorry. Uh, so I'm like, oh, I'll start off low. And, and instantly I started, like my chalices bleached, like completely turned white, like they started bleaching out. Um, and it, it was going downhill. Some macros were fine and then some you can tell when they're starting to bleach, like they're, they're growing fast, but they're losing the color. Yeah. Um, until I turn the red and green down, um, then everything kind of started coming back. How did you uh, know to maybe, do that? Maybe it, was, maybe it was just, uh, it was like, maybe it, it just my thoughts. Like I always like overthinking, but, uh, before with my old lights, cause I started like thinking about like, what's different. Right. Um, and with the rate I was missing, the green and red was, was a lot stronger on the radions than what hmm. the what my my tank was used to, and I I just when I set it up I just did AV plus and said go. Um, so there's probably lots of other things, right? Like T5 is gentle, but on on corals, like I've never bleached a coral with T5. Um, so, so I mean that was pretty much the only issue. Um, fish, for some reason, all of a sudden just started to hate each other. Oh um, no, fish that I've had together forever. Um, for years, like I had tangs together for 10 years and they're fine. Um, and then all of a sudden they're enemies. Right. So was this, I had to move this was, fish around. Was this a more open a aquascape though than when you had before? Is it, can I assume that? Uh... Well, yes and no. Like I, I had an eight foot frag tank, um, also. And in that tank, I had three yellow tanks and it was, so it was, it's all open. It's just a frag rack. Right. Um, those three yellow tanks got put in, um, the display together and no, I had to, I had to remove two oh. and keep the, do I just kept the docile of the, of, of them. And now I've, since then I've, I've ordered, uh, Biota captor bed yellow tangs and I yeah. had a, a group of them. Um, they're amazing. So that, how that's, uh, how many, um, how many do you have right now? I have three. So, um, they kicked one out. They decided one, one couldn't stay and then <laughs> I lost one. So, but, uh, no, but they're, they're, they're tough. They're strong. Um, at first, they weren't as yellow, but that only lasted like a month and a half, and they're bright yellow. Well, I mean. uh, folks, just uh, remind you, if you want to ask uh, Jay some questions about his system, uh, go for it. Just drop a question in the, uh, in the chat. And also want to remind everybody to hit that like button so more people can find this uh, live stream. So you, um, I, love, I love the clean look of the tank, and you went with uh, sand. What, yeah. um, have you always had sand in your reef tanks? Always had sand. Um, there's creatures I couldn't have a reef tank. I couldn't have, not have in a tank, right? Like I love, you know, tiger tail sea cucumbers. I mean, yeah, they're I've gross. Got, I've, got them, I've got them too. They just keep multiplying. 
Yeah, they keep multiplying. <laughs> I mean, they do fill your rocks with sand, um, it's, which is kind of cool because the way my rock work is because it fills up and then it all spills out at the bottom. So it gives like the sand kind of looks like it. It looks like I'm actually moving the sand towards the rocks, but that's the cucumbers doing that. Um, I love watching pistol shrimp and goby pair. I mean, yeah, they're so cool. simple, but uh, when you see when they come out and you're feeding, they're right there. You, you could uh, you could watch them for a long time. Um, just all the life that's in the sand. I mean, you can have wrasse like it's good for wrasses. You can have wrasses without sand, but um, no, uh, it's, I've always had sand and hope. Do you let your uh, cleanup crew do the maintenance, or do you do any yeah. siphoning yourself, or you just leave it? I usually just leave it. Um, I have a lot of cleanup crew, except for uh, at about one the one year mark in my tank, I got hit with dinos, um, mm. and then so for like two months, I was cleaning my sand bed every second day. The uh, long battle. So I still still see a random little spot of like brown algae on the sand. I'm like. Is that dinos or diatom? <laughs> you get all stressed, but like there's no bubbles. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, James Scott is wondering what does uh, what do you feed Jay and, and how often in terms of your fish? Okay, um, I've always I don't think I feed enough, but I'm probably feeding too much. Um, so with all the fish I have in the morning, my routine now has been a, probably about four cubes of frozen. Um, right now I'm feeding. Um, gamma, there's a gamma pack. It's a, like a blister pack they have. So I feed in the morning. I feed uh, like cyclopsies and uh, uh, I can't find krill. I, I can't find that stuff um, in the States. Oh, I think they sell it at Petco at, in the States. Do they? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it's a Petco brand. All right, I'll have to look for that. Is it frozen? Live like, Aquaria. Or is it like, live Aquaria has is it. it frozen? Like I used to buy it like in a bar. Yeah, yeah it's frozen. It's frozen cubes. Um, oh, cubes. Okay. I'm pretty sure Live Aquaria has it, where they did when I was Googling it, when I got it anyways. Um, so I feed that, um, a mixture of frozen in the morning, and then I have an auto feeder that turns on uh, four rotations a day for pellets for the Antheus. Um, and then at night, I feed when I walk by the tank, <laughs> which sometimes is more. So it's usually uh, seaweed or flake. Um, I always have an auto feeder since... Um, for the reason that if I ever go on vacation, uh, that I want to know that I can at least have that set up. I'll still have someone come feed frozen. Yeah. Um, but that peace of mind that, you know, there could be four or five days where they could just run off pellets. Um, so and it, plus the fish, it's funny that fish hear it. Right. And you can tell, or they, they sense what time it is. Cause I'll be in the basement and then, the auto feeder is about to start up and then they're all over in the corner of the tank. Oh, really? They sense it. So you, you yeah. keep that auto feeder on all the time. Yeah. And the angel, it's his, his favorite is pellets. So that's, that's going to be on forever, I guess. <laughs> yeah. um, New life spectrum pellets. I use those too. Yeah. So it sounds like you do a lot of feeding and you, you feed a good variety. Yeah. But for coral food, I don't, I have done reef rights in the past, um, but I always find that my phosphates just go up. Um, and the corals respond and then do the acros take it? I don't know. Um, sometimes when, if I have a sick coral, I'll isolate it and target feed it. Um, pretty much I rely on fish poop and 
I'm, uh, I've done acro power. I, uh, I drink that same Kool-Aid, man. I, I don't yeah. really use aminos or coral food. I just, uh, think that fish poop is, um, you know, is a good thing. So I just try to feed my fish mm -hmm. a lot and let nature, uh, do its thing. Yeah. I see a lot of that on the forums. It's, there's always that question is, uh, I'm going to dose this, this and this, or, or people have, you know, four dosers and they're running all these additives in their tank and it's just too much. It's too complicated. Um, I just dose ESV. I haven't got a calcium reactor yet. I should, but, uh, how many, uh, so. how many mLs a day are you dosing the ESV two part? Um, 310. Each. Yeah, I was doing that. I was doing yeah. like 300 in my 187 gallon tank. I was like, wow, man, it's breaking my, you know, it's just killing me. So I, I yeah. switched to a calcium reactor and caulk. Yeah, I, I need to, but now like ESV is so cheap <laughs> in the, in the, well, it's for you it'd be cheaper to have a calcium <laughs> reactor. Yeah. It'd be, yeah. It'd be cheaper to have a calcium reactor. Um, but I just dread having one more thing to take apart and clean. Um, you don't have to clean one, them that often. Like every, uh, no? okay. like, uh, I clean my calcium reactor. How often do I clean it? You know, whenever I need to replace the, uh, the, the media and, um, five, six months or something like that. Cause I'm also dosing the, uh, caulk wasser. So calcium yeah. reactor is not always on. And, and, um, okay. Yeah, I, you know, listen, it's, um, there's, there's, um, I've had great success doing two part two. It just got very expensive for me. Yeah. And every time I, uh, I open up one of those, uh, eight gallon kits of ESV and then the, the it's, fro it's rock solid. Yeah. It's a pain spend, in the ass, right? I spent an hour <laughs> breaking it up in a, in the sink full of hot water. Yeah. I say, oh, I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a calcium reactor. And then, <laughs> then the next day it fades. I, I built my own calcium reactor. I just haven't finished it. Oh, really? So, yeah, I started, I was going to, I'm trying to make one that is, you know, it's got the two chambers, like the, yep. and then I want to have a third off-gassing chamber to see if I, so I can keep my pH up. So I'm trying to kind of, and make it in a certain way that I can purge it to self-clean it. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I might have, it's like four and a half feet high. I might have went too far, but uh, being with acrylic, everything's easy, right? You can kind of. I don't know, man. You're, the... you're a lot handier than I am. I mean, you're making your mm -hmm. own. Uh, I think in the video you mentioned you made your own um, uh, sump, 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 and yeah. frag tanks too, right? Yeah, yeah, they're all acrylic. Um, so it's all solvent welded. Uh, once once you do it a couple times, it's easier than you think. Like it's um, you, the the hardest part is making sure your cuts are perfectly clean and being patient and keeping everything square. Um, but yeah, no, try, I always try to do, do things my own way. Well, I you know, save money. With, with reef keeping, that really does come in handy, you know, to do it, yeah. do it yourself <clears throat> in, in terms of equipment and what have you is, um, is a great way to, to save money because this is not a cheap hobby, obviously in terms of what you nope. can spend on equipment and what you can spend on livestock. And, um, so to be able to, figure out ways to make it more economical by doing it yourself is, um, is an awesome thing. And I, you know, I, I do a lot of do it yourself stuff too, mm -hmm. but, um, I'm not building my own fish tanks. That's, uh, that ain't going to be happening. Yeah. <laughs> I've only had one fail. So <laughs> only one, huh? <laughs> only Hopefully one. that yeah, was no, a small was one. A, yeah, it was, I was on holidays for a week and, uh, it was, a, I had just like, I built a quick little sump and, uh, for a small like seahorse tank and the sump, split 
Um, when I had someone look, look, came and check on the tank. And so that sucked. Everything survived. So really, wow. Besides besides my, my laminate flooring, everything else was fine. Uh, Yikes. That's a nightmare. Um, yeah. All right. Bert Minshew is asking, um, what are your parameters? You, you, you're talking about, um, you know, feeding your fish a lot and what have you. So let's start off with nitrate and phosphate. What do you like to keep those at? Um, over the past year, everywhere. <laughs> mm. It's been um, with dinos and everything, but I used to always try to keep my, as long as I could see them on the test kit, I was happy. And that that's, and if it started to run away from me, then I would increase my vodka. Um, oh, so you dose vodka. Well, I do vote dose vodka. Yeah. Um, but right now I've been keeping higher nitrates. I'm, this week, my nitrates are 12, um, 12 ppm, and my phosphate is 0.092 right now. Um, so I've been, it's funny, right? It's uh, like the tenuous are so happy at, at that. And certain corals, are, their coloration is amazing. And then some corals, not as happy. So it's at any given time, I always have one coral that's struggling. Yeah. So, you know, you're always tweaking. I just need to back away but i raised my nutrients when i had uh, dinos just to kind of encourage more algae growth um and it worked uh but i'm gonna slowly let them come down so i'm gonna to answer that question my my target is gonna be between five and ten yeah. nitrate and my phosphate probably 0.02 to 0.06 i'm gonna say 07 around that area, just kind of, um, and adjust my vodka accordingly. Um, so you're, you're doing, like you're doing a, uh, re, you're doing a refugium and your vodka dosing. Yes. Right now my refugium is pretty much empty. Oh. Um, I pretty, I just have a couple like small, like a little bit of uh, Kato, um, some, some macros in here and there, but I pulled all the refugium when my, when the dino was hit, I pretty much pulled most of it out. Um, just cause I didn't want anything. I just wanted, I was trying to increase my nitrates and phosphate. So I was pulling and I was messing with the ratio to encourage cyano. I, I don't want to, I don't want to recommend this to anybody else, but I was fooling around with it to encourage cyano to let the cyano beat the dino. Yeah. And then afterwards I just stabled everything out and the cyano died off. So, um, is that how you eventually, beat yeah. it? I mean, or did you uh, do UV yeah. or something or? I, I did buy UV, um, but I had the San Dino, the large cell, which is uh, N. Bummer. Well, I can't even pronounce it, N Fumidium, whatever. Um, so UV didn't really help, although you do see it off gas. You, know, you see like the bubbles, and then it started to encrust up the side of the back wall, and it completely covered the coralline on my back wall, and then killed all the coralline off. Um, so at night, when it's in, like they're. I'm hoping that, you know, some are getting sucked by the UV. Plus, I wanted the UV for water clarity. Yeah. And also, I've always wanted one. I've never had one. And since I've had one, I, I don't think I'd ever take it off um, for the price of them, um, how how clean my water was, how crystal clear it was. Um, you do an activated carbon, I mean, too? Yep. Um, when I remember. <laughs> it's but it's basic right? i don't have a reactor i just fill up a bag of activated carbon toss it in my sump and hang it from a screw like it's uh 
or a filter sock. If I'm running filter socks that that month, stick it in a filter sock. Yeah. Plus, oh, so you don't you run you don't run the filter socks all the time. No, for the first year this tank was set up, I didn't have any filter socks or anything. Mm. Um, but I'm con. I shot back with some and everything. Uh, if I'm doing maintenance or moving the sand, I'll put a filter sock in. I mean, they're easy. I you just I have you know ten of them or so, and I just rotate the seven inch socks out weekly. Um, throw them in a bucket and wash them all at once. But it's, it, I don't know. Like I don't mind the detritus in certain spots. Like I've never. It, does it bad? Is it good? I don't know. Where it's, it's been an argument we've had for twenty years. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I um, <clears throat> I try to siphon when I do water changes. I'll I'll, I'll siphon yeah. out you know the um, you know whatever I can see in the sump. Of um, both of my uh, systems, I'll uh, I'll siphon out. You know, my system with the sand bed, I don't touch the sand bed. I, I like you know we're talking about. I got uh, the tiger tail sea cucumbers too, and, yeah. and I think they do a big, um, big uh, you know uh, they contribute a lot to the um, keeping that thing uh, clean. I also have the Nasaria snails. So um, yep. yeah, I don't. And the only thing I do in that tank is I take a power head and I'll blow the rocks every other day to get the detritus off oh, wow. of that. Okay. And um, and the uh, and the other system, the 225 gallon tank, that's a bare bottom, and I get the uh, the tritus settling at the uh, the far end of the tank, so I'll siphon that out once a week when I do the water changes, but I'll also do the um, the power head on that, and I just get like okay. all the detritus like just going all over the water column, and I kind of think it it helps in terms of the corals. I oh, think yeah. I think the corals like that stuff, you know, and and um, the fish kind of get freaked out every time I do it, but um, I think it's um, I yeah. think it's been helpful. And I had a little bit of cyano at that part of the tank, and uh, since I started doing that, I don't have the cyano anymore, which is um, which is good. I think it it helps let things breathe again. So like if like my old two twenty, the spots where you couldn't get to, you'd see like you'd see it all in the rocks. Right? It'd just be like this wall of like any see like, it'd get like it'd be like filaments, and it'd all be stuck to the filaments. Um, so the rock is kind of all full of this detritus and it can't, the water can't flow through it. Yeah. Also, when I set this up, I tried to have my pumps in a certain way. So when they, when they push the, you know, like you'll see a, like a pump always pulls when it pushes. Um, and there's always like at below the pump, there's, that's always a spot where you always find like broken bits of coral or food or fish waste is always at the bottom. So if that is not above a rock, it's not, it's not, that's not always dropping into your rock. Like a gyre will, you know, move all the water, but if you're not careful, it'll dump all that detritus back into your rock work. So. Yep. Um, all right. We're, we're talking about, um, two part before, and, uh, we got, okay. we got a question from Louis Williams. Is it common to dose cockwasser and two part together? I've never done that, but, um, Typically, I guess when you do um, two part, you don't have an issue with with pH, and you don't necessarily need to uh, dose the cockwasser. I, I I guess I am um, not sure I uh, I caught it, but what what is your pH typically uh, run at with the okay. two part? Well, if it's right, um, who knows? But my right right now, I've been between eight point two and eight point five. That's that's um, uh, that's the so, that's the butter zone. Yeah. So I mean. <laughs> Before it was like 8.1 to 8.56 um, or 8.55 around, it would be, sometimes it'd be really high, but um, then I reversed my, 
well, my refugium and my frag tanks. So I have two frag tanks that are the system. Um, so now my, it doesn't, my pH doesn't spike as much. So it's closer together. Um, but it's still, it's between like 8.23 or an 8.45. Um, I did get Calcosser and I do have it set up to go. And I was going to try to kind of just get a little bit more, but then I would stop myself. I'm like, Hey, just, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, with your pH in that range, then, um, yeah, not really in much of a need, but you know, if you do switch to a calcium reactor, you might have to. And yeah. And that, that range, um, is probably like, I mean, I don't want to say people shouldn't be like stressing and going out and buying, you know, um, CO2 scrubbers and things like that. But, um, which I don't know if they even do anything, but my, my tank's only 15 months old. Mm. Um, so if you look and if you go back on Instagram, you know, probably 800 posts ago, <laughs> you, you'll see like the, the white rocks and you'll see some of the acros like that stag on the, on the right. It was a couple branches and like eight inches tall. And, and it, I've had to cut it back twice where it right out of the water. Um, so, and there'd be times when they were growing so fast, I couldn't frag some coral side. That's because the, the growth, the white new growth would be over an inch long, right? So you'd have to really cut back far to frag them or else it's so soft and brittle. Um, so, and I think I, I attribute that to pH and things, but you know, eventually my nutrients, I couldn't feed enough to keep the corals happy and my nitrates bottomed out. So now I'm dosing nitrates. I don't know, man, the way, the way your tank's looking right now with all those corals, you know, chock full of corals, you might have to like think about a reset pretty soon. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've been pulling out acros probably once every two weeks. I pull out one and move something over, move a coral. Um, I, I'm trying to decide: do I want to just keep fragging and keep all the corals in there that I, or do I just let a few get big, which I'm probably going to do, and start pulling out the ones that aren't doing as well um, in the areas of bad flow, and and eventually it'll be probably. 10 different corals. <laughs> we'll see. That's what I got. I mean, I mean in my, in my tank, yeah. that's just chock full that I'm going to do the reset on. I've got about 10 dominant corals right now. I mean, it's a great look. Mm -hmm. I, I love the, mm -hmm. uh, I love the look. It's just that, um, it's, it's getting to an, you know, pretty much choking out stuff that I really like, you know, and, and, uh, when, when you start losing a lot of real estate and you've got this obsession with, uh, yeah. with acros, and the fact mm -hmm. that, um, you know, you only can have uh, a few in one tank, then you got to kind of weigh the options in terms of, do I want to just continue on the way it's, it's looking? I mean, it, look, it looks great. You know, I'm, I'm starting to get a little RTN, uh, you know, recession here and there from the areas. I'm not getting a lot mm -hmm. of, um, you know, flow. Are you running into that issue at all with your uh, tank at yeah. this point? I've had a lot of issues with, like, random issues where – things don't make sense. Like it's, there's one coral, it's perfect. And, uh, the the coral next to it, look, it's dying. Like, and no matter what you do or try to screw, fix it, 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 it's flow, right? It's always been flow. Um, because you know, as they grow, a coral grows and it blocks the flow from the other one. So now I'm at the point, I, instead of fussing, I, I'm just going to, I just pull those corals out, move them into my frag tank and Eventually, my frag tank will just be a colony tank, I guess. Yeah. Because I can't, you can't get, you can't get rid of corals. They're, they're you hoard them, I guess. That's yes, we are hoarders. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, 
it's all there's always an issue right with like you're, you're always gonna find an, an obsess over one coral and then it'll ruin your your reefing experience so um but i'm at the point now where i have enough corals i say that i mean i'm always changing i, I want to have you know do a plate coral garden um but i i'm scared to buy any more acros um like i, I don't have really any acro i don't have i don't have i've never had flatworm acro eating flatworms i've never had red bugs so that fear of that next frag yeah unless it's from someone i know and trust that that one frag can ruin my whole reefing experience um when really i like i should be happy with what i have yeah no there was always that kind of thought in the back of your head in terms of like all right do yeah. i keep bringing stuff in do i keep bringing stuff in and and um you know i've, I've got a quarantine tank set up and and um okay do, yeah. do you uh do you quarantine stuff when you bring it in you just pretty much yes. dip and i quarantine everything now at first i used to always dump and pray like 10 years ago but now everything like what's your so what's um, your quarantine process uh i quarantine all inverts coming in so i tried like you know snails i'll clean and put them i have an invert only tank um and that tank is my invert only and coral quarantine tank so any corals that i get usually go into there unless it's from somewhere i know or a really trusted source um pretty much i just monitor for the 72 days um i do crank the temperature up a bit more on that tank uh to speed the process um, but w I'm at the point where with the fish I have, I, I can't risk it. So I, you know, I quarantine fish, all my fish go through quarantine. Um, it's, it's a lot of work. Like so, so do the corals that you're quarantining, does that include the acros? Do you, um, you're, are you dipping them when you put them in the quarantine yeah. tank and you constantly dipping them like once a week or something until you get them out of quarantine or are you just kind of dipping them once and then you observe for like the, uh, period of time? I haven't added, I haven't added an acro in over a year oh, um, wow. to my tank. So, so all the corals I have or corals I bought, like acros I bought a year ago. So it was kind of, and that time, yeah, it was all dipped. Um, if I were to get a, an acro frag from anybody, I cut it off the frag plug. Yep. Um, there's no, I will never put any, uh, rock, like rock or any dead coral tissue in my tank. Um, I wouldn't risk eggs or anything transferring over, um, so that like before, I mean, a, a, like you get burnt, right? You buy a, a colony, a mariculture colony, and it's got flatworms and it looks good. looks perfectly clean at the store. And then all of a sudden, bam, your tank's done. Um, and you can dip and dip and dip, but if you just buy it, cut it right off the rock, throw the rock away, uh, cover every piece of, um, exposed tissue with crazy glue so it's sealed and then re-glue it to something and you're, you're that's a pretty good um yeah. eliminate a lot of risk i mean i've yeah. always done the coral rx dip too i know you use uh water softener salt i, I caught that yeah on potassium chloride i started doing that um okay tie from uh how much former ties frags turned me on to that stuff yep. it's awesome how much do you put for like, so you just like grab a handful and crush it and throw it in like a... No, um, so the um, so the uh, potassium chloride, it comes like at 40 pound bags and it comes like these large yep. crystallized chunks. And so you got to, you okay. basically have to um, uh, pulverize the uh, chunks into a powder. So you get it into a powder form. And then okay. I use two um, 
uh, teaspoons per one gallon of uh, tank water, and that's the um, okay. Wow, that's the ratio that I use, and um, do the dip for like thirty minutes, and you can actually see versus like using the bare advanced insect, you know, the uh, the insect killer that stuff. I don't mm-hmm. ever use that stuff. And I've tried, but it's really hard to get in Canada. I don't know. I think yeah, it's you don't, think you, don't banned, you don't yeah. need it anymore. I mean, first of no. all, it's like dangerous. You know, it's like a mm-hmm. poison. So uh, it's it's not it's not good. Uh, you know, if you if you like somehow ingested that stuff, it wouldn't be good. And it's also milky white. The bear stuff is so you can't see yeah. any worms or anything falling off the frags. Whereas this potassium mm-hmm. chloride, it's like a clear solution. So you know exactly, you know, if you get like some frags and, and um, you know, you see like a pest coming off of it, then, then yeah, you, uh, you're like, oh, okay, you that's, a, it, that's yeah. a big red flag. And, um, and do you do it with flow? Do you, do you have a little return pump in there? I use, a tur- I use like a turkey of... baster. Okay, just, you just baste just, them. Oh, cool. And you could, yeah. and you could um, see them flying right off. So, uh, and I also have this um, high-powered microscope. And so I'll, I'll I'll do what you you know said. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll cut each frag off the um, the plug, and then um, you know I put it under the high powered microscope just to see if I um, you know just to check to make sure there's no eggs that still remain oh, wow. on the um, on the frag uh, itself. And uh, yeah, but the potassium chloride is pretty gentle to the acros. I uh, you know knock on wood have not lost one acro to that dip. So it's, um, and it's, you know, when you buy a 40 pound bag of that stuff, that's kind of like a lifetime supply for like 40 yeah. or 50 bucks, us bucks Yeah. versus, especially uh, if you have a water softener, you always have, yeah, I don't, I don't need a water yeah. softener, but, uh, okay. I, you know, I, I hopefully will have a lifetime supply of, uh, acroating flatworm, um, dip for that. Wow. Um, so couple of questions and and uh, I'll, I'll again folks encourage you to um to ask questions in the in the chat just fire away james scott is wondering um jay do you do water changes and if, if so how, how much yes. how often okay um i try to do a minimum of 35 gallons a week so um what is that about 10 percent with my i think it's well with my system volume i'm, I'm pushing over 600 with the frag tank ah, so right it's like five percent yeah um I doubt I did the auto water change for a while and eventually just, I got rid of that idea. Um, so I do one shot, 35 gallon. Um, I basically just turn a valve, um, turn off my return, return pumps. The the water backflows into my sump. I turn a valve, pump it outside and then turn another valve and pump it from my water chain station to the tank. And that's it. But, and then I'll go in and clean spots every month. Um, but with the quarantine tank set up and, and my other, uh, tank set up, I do water changes on them. Um, so I usually just take water from my display tank mm-hmm. and then, um, use that for the fish tanks. Right. So I'm probably doing at least 10% a week. Um, I've been using Brightwell salt for the past six months or so. Um, so far happy with it. Uh, but you yeah, know, I always I've tried the no water change thing for a long time. You, you always end up in a, in a spot you, where you're fighting nitrates down the road or something. Um, and if you keep your water changes regular, if I'm doing them every week and I'm dosing 300 mils a day, I haven't adjusted my dosing amount in months pretty much. Like nice. it'll someday, some, sometimes my alcohol will be 9.2 and then it'll be 8.4 and, and 
I just kind of let it do its thing. I stopped chasing it. Um, it'll change daily, right? Like, yeah. uh, I mean, I dose 24 times a day. Uh, it, it'll go from 8.8 to like last night, yesterday, it went from 8.8 to 9 over in one day, right? Or 9.1. So, I mean, uh, I just try to keep everything as stable as possible, but not chase. Right, that. That's that's good advice. You know, I always um, try not to overreact when I see certain things on my test kits or, yeah. or the monitors and, and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that's um, that's very important. You don't want to like just go too into the weeds and, and um, try to be a, a numbers chaser. I, I also feel like you got to like, you know, observe the tank on a daily basis and let the corals do the talking yeah. in terms of like whether or not you need to do any course correcting. I, yeah, and the only thing, like, I, when I, I got dinos, my corals were acting funny before it happened. Like, I could tell mm. there was something, and it, it was, it was uh, my nitrates were zero. And I had no, that I had the head, at the time, I got rid of my Salifert t- kit because the Hannah came out, and I'm like, Salifert, see you later, <laughs> right? Uh, now I've got the HR. Um, and then the reagents were out of stock, so I had no reagents. And so I just kept things as normal, and... I could tell, like, hey, the corals look like they're hungry, um, so I'd feed more. I was feeding more, feeding more, but my phosphates were going up, and my nitrates were still zero. Um, mm. So that was, but yeah, no, I test a lot. So that's that's big for me. I test all the time. Trident is uh, um, is amazing, and at first it was stressful, but. So now that I, you, I got used to it, it it's a great tool. Having an automatic tester is a great tool. Um, I, I wouldn't trust it to uh, dose for me, but to monitor, it's a great tool. So you're just using it as a monitor, not a controller? Yeah, yeah. So what, is, what does Jake say? I'm the controller. Yeah, I, there, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. No, uh, um, no just, just a monitor. There's been a couple times where it's it's gone off the charts where I'm like, yeah, no, that's not true. Um I think it has a fail safe for it would stop. Yeah. It, like, so it is pretty safe to let it dose, but I mean, it's not hard to just open your app for your Kamor or whatever doser you're using and just add five mils or add 10 mils that week or whatever. Right. So, um, why do you need all that extra? Why, why do you have to have everything connected together? It's just too, too many fails that could happen. Yeah, I, uh, I I'm the same way. I think that um, you know the only thing that I will do in terms of if I'm away or something and and my alkalinity starts like creeping one direction or the other, you know, mm-hmm. with the calcium reactor, I I'll uh, I'll adjust the pH set point inside the reactor to to help um, okay. you know adjust it up, up or down in terms of the alkalinity. But you know I won't do that unless it's really just kind of creeping on a constant basis and 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 usually you like to see it kind of like creeping lower and lower and lower because that means the corals are healthy and consuming yeah. more uh, calcium and alkalinity mm-hmm. um question for you from james scott um jay do you have did you have any issue tuning the uh, the nio skimmer uh no well <laughs> um my sump is deep and i'm limited uh space yeah, under in that area, like I didn't realize how big the Nios was when I ordered it. Mm-hmm. Um, I originally wanted the Reef Octopus external skimmer, and they're all sold out at the time. And then I measured, and I'm like, oh, the Nios is going to fit in this in this sump. So um, I ordered the 300. Um, 
put it in and I adjusted the, I adjusted it in the water for its like the height. Once I got, it's deep. I have it deeper than they recommend. Um, and it, I mean, it seemed like it's a, it seemed to be adjusted right away. I mean, I, I pull out probably two gallons a week. Oh, wow. So that's a, that's like a lot. Skin, mate. Well, you got yeah. a lot of fish. How yeah. many fish do you well, have? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I should count. Um, I have no idea. <laughs> like 60, 70. That's a lot know. of fish. Um, it's hard to, yeah, a lot of tangs, a lot of, uh, and the vodka dosing is, will make your skimmer kind of go a little mm. bit nuts. Yep. Um, it's another reason why filter socks kind of suck too, because it, it clogs the filter socks up and with all that bacteria, gotcha. right? Um, so I, I'd like to get, get off of it, but I feel like it feeds the corals also. Um, every time I've been off of it, I lost a little bit of coloration. So, and I keep it as like a tool at my disposal in case something goes off. Um, I can always just increase that and control my, my nutrients that way or control my phosphates basically. Instead of using GFO. So um, a few more questions here from the viewers. Uh, Adrian Fang, is there any benefits to testing for and dosing iodine in your opinion? Hmm. Every time I've done an ICB test, um, I've been low. Yeah, on I get iodine. zero. Uh, yeah. So and I always get warned to add this. Yep, we lost Jay there for a second. Hopefully he'll uh, bounce back. You there, Jay? Give him another uh, couple of minutes here. Hopefully we'll get Jay back. That darn Wi-Fi. <laughs> Jay, can you hear me? Hang on, folks. We're going to try to get uh, Jay back on here. Hello, Jay. Let me see if I can uh, call him back here. All right, I lost him. Let's see if we can get him back. Jay, you there? Yeah, sorry. My I have ghetto internet. It was gonna fail me. <laughs> oh, now, 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 we, my phone. now we got you on the phone in portrait mode there. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah, uh perfect. turn it to uh, landscape. All right, we got it. We fixed that that yeah. uh little technical difficulties there. Sorry about that, folks. We got him back. Oh no, my wife just messaged. He's uh I I was just on the computer, so we uh Oh, she knocked you off, you mean? Yes, we, we yeah, she knocked me off. So, <laughs> sorry about that, guys. Um, all right, man. What were we talking about? Iodine, right? Yeah, yeah. Every time I've uh, I've done an ICP, it came back um, where my iodine was was low, where I died. Um, and you can kind of tell when it's getting low, or your iron's getting low, also because your your cato will start turn color. Yeah. In your, like if you do a huge water change, all of a sudden your kato is like, it grows like crazy. And then it starts to get darker and darker and darker and slow down. Um, so I have dosed it. Um, in, I mean, I, 
after my dinos, I just, I've been trying the replenish from Brightwell. Um, I used to use for trace ESV, but it's hard to get the, the transition yeah. elements. Yeah. Transition. Yeah. Yep. I used to use that. ESV also has some trace in it too. Um, so, but yeah, no, I guess I'll just keep doing the ICB test every, you know, six months or so and then seeing where I'm at. It's the only thing that was off for me was iodine. Yeah, I um, <clears throat> I still um, dose. I don't. I bacteria dose, and I used to have Cato, and I took the Cato offline. Right. And um, but I'm still dosing the uh, Brightwell's Cato Grow because they iron in that, okay. and and then the other elements in that. So I think that's been beneficial, you know, for me. Um, question from Reef Under the Roof. Great talk. What's the perfect pH and nitrate levels in your guys' opinion? I think we kind of touched on that i mean mm -hmm. you're uh you're in the 8.2 to 8.5 range in terms of your um yeah. ph i'm i'm kind of like in the same ballpark one one system i'm 8.3 to 8.4 to 8.5 i guess and the other system 8.3 to 8.4 so um yeah i think i think there's definitely some great benefits to having that um elevated ph especially with the sps you could just see that supercharged growth yeah it's insane I, I mean i've never had ph before it was the same house um before above eight eight three so even and, in the winter time you're in a basement you know a finished basement i'm assuming that in the winter time in canada you got the windows closed and you're still doing eight two to eight five yeah all yeah but i do have a air exchanger same um, here whole home whole home that's huge yeah um the nile skimmer the nile skimmer my ph went up big time with that skimmer oh. um just having it i mean it, it's a much bigger skimmer right so all that off gassing um more open a lot of surface movement on my tanks um i don't there's no places for waste really to settle and trap in my tank and so you can always tell like your ph is slowly starting to creep down um and it's your sand beds getting full of stuff you're spots in your sump are full of waste and all that's just driving your ph down right um but i mean maybe in the basement where i'm breathing less next, next to the tank too yeah the dog's not <laughs> right no yeah you get a crowd no, of people that's not good for the ph yeah the only loud person at a time in my house no, no uh, <laughs> uh, i haven't let anybody else. Maybe that's why COVID, COVID made my tank grow fast. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, in terms of nitrates, <clears throat> you mentioned that um, I think you, you like the 2.5 uh, the two, two five to 5 range. You're currently at 12. Yeah, I'm at 12. Um, the only, with the higher nitrates, the things I noticed in my tank, um, I get some turf algae pop up on my frag racks in, in the egg crate. Um, and then besides that, you get random little patches of algae here and there. Or what? So it's a safer level probably to be at it's just if everybody just kind of kept it around the 10, um, but not chase it. Yeah. I mean, I feel I always see that answer on, on a forum. It's like corals dying. What's this? And everybody, oh, what's your nutrients at? Well, 
it's probably not that. Like, I mean, it takes yeah. a long time for a quill to die. From I think, starving. I think unless your nutrients are like zero, zeroed out, then that would, you know, if you're at least getting some levels yeah. of nitrates and phosphates, I mean, I like to have my nitrates in the two, two and a half to five part per million range myself. Mm. But, um, yeah, I think we're both uh, on the same, um, on the same page as that. Um, uh, S4 Monster, you both have amazing systems, huge financial investments. How do you ever go on vacation? And if you do, is there a limit of how long you are comfortable being away? Yeah, I'm, I'm never comfortable going away at all, but uh, a couple of days is fine. A week, so I start getting nervous. I'm nervous going to work. You're nervous going to work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've never gone on vacation, and, and it was like, oh, I came back. Everything was with no issues. There's always something, right? There's always... Something failed. Um, it, I would like to be able to. My goal is to have my tank set up so I can leave for a week and not stress. And have you know, I have cameras on my sump, cameras on my tank. Um, so if I ever had to, um, like, instruct somebody, um, I need to get a labeler and label the pipes and lines and pumps. And maybe set up like a some sort of checklist. Yeah. Um, if something goes wrong, and I have someone here, like my mom or somebody watching the house, that um, she can go through that checklist. Um, the biggest issue I had on vacation once was I had a breaker fail, oh. and I wasn't I was only gone for a weekend. And the weird thing was the breaker failed. It was a 20 amp breaker on my panel. It failed, but was still in the on position. Hmm. Um, so you can turn it. So when someone looked at the panel, there's no power in any of those plugs. I know that they're not getting power. The breaker, you can turn it on and off, and it wouldn't come back on. Eventually, after going back and forth a bunch of times, it, it turned on. I replaced the breaker, and it's fine. So you think you're perfect, but there's always that one thing. So I do have the tank on three separate breakers. So I, I only lost a few things, but that were off. So that's always, that was another fail-safe, I guess. Yeah, I think my, my biggest rule of thumb is before I go on vacation, I never try to do anything major in terms of ma major changes to the tank in terms of equipment. You know, um, just try to keep keep things as routine as possible and, and not make any um, big, big uh, changes or do any major maintenance on the tank. Yeah. No, like a month before, clean your pumps, check everything over. Um, don't do it the night before, right? It's don't uh, this is a good question. Reef under the... What was that? Don't add a new fish the week before, a day before you go, right, or anything like that? Don't. So. Rob, uh, upstate New York, thanks, uh, man, for the super chat. The comment, here's to calling the wife at lunch and asking, how's the reef? <laughs> uh, this is a good question. Reef under the roof, what are your biggest aha moments in growing acros? Biggest aha moment? Mm. I guess I think one well, of my pH went over 8.3 and held there. Um, maybe aha. I don't know if I've had an aha. I'm really trying to think here. No. Flow. Flow. It's yeah. You can tell when the flow is perfect, and then you look at that uh, millie and the the polyps are going up and down, like um, and just everything's perfect but um if, if you don't have your flow right i i, I mean i struggle well maybe I, I look too far into it or 
I stare at my acros like every other night and I'm how come that pump's not open? Um question. What um what are some of your favorite acros? Let's talk some corals here. What uh what pieces do you um like the most in terms of SPS? Like uh SPS wise, just you know it's all it's the basic ones that are my favorite. Like that blue tip stag I have, I love it. Um I have a green slimer. It's not a traditional. I call it a green slimer because it's slimy. I don't. I don't know if it's the actual green valley green slimer, but um, it's. I'm just gonna plug my phone. It's um. I mean, I, deep water. Um, I love all deep water acros. Um, Millies were always my favorite. I think. Yeah, I'm a big Millie um, fan too. I'm not a big. Ten I'm not a. I'm not big into the tenuous. Um. I have an orange passion. It's amazing. Go look at it closely. I have, you know, a bunch. I have uh, a bunch of other names, but unless you're like top-down view, staring at it with, it doesn't. It's not the same. Um, the growth rate of them. I'm not. I'm not as fond of the growth pattern. Maybe that. Maybe just the way my tank set up. Like I like how stat like a big stag will grow, or I like how. Um, a milli will plate out kind of like and um i like some of the deep waters that you can have them lower in the tank uh i don't know if that answered your yeah. question for a while i was really into um like all the dragons oh yeah uh, yeah they're just they're amazing right but if you don't keep uh keep up with them they're keep up fragging and they choke themselves out right yeah so, i know uh, you have the uh, rainbow splice, don't you? I have my version of it. Your version of it. <laughs> yeah. And what does that rainbow. version look like? Uh, it was a weird, like, um, uh, I guess it, it used to be a pink and bluish gray coral with like, uh, like kind of green polyps. Um, and then at one point, a couple of years ago, all of a sudden, it took on like a green protein. Yeah. And it started like infecting it with like that green streaks. Yeah. Um, throughout the coral. Uh, and I, the only thing I can think of is what happened is I had a Moorish idol at the time and he decided he wanted to eat acros and he would <laughs> always go eat um, a, a green candy cane and then go munch on this acro. And it, it seemed to be okay, but and I'm wondering that. I did at one point that, that he forced that, that, you know, that candy cane, those coloration into it, or is it just from being under attack all the time? Did it just do it in defense? I don't know. I mean, one of those unknowns out there. Yeah, no idea. Maybe someone one day will, you know, say, oh, no, this is why. But, uh, so ever since then, I just keep fragging that section of it and, separating it so i have like a small colony in my frag tank and and, mixed and when you frag it is it uh still uh you know if you frag like one color will it eventually develop that second color or is it just um behaving like a regular it, coral it seems it seems to if i i frag the green out of it um and keep the green kind of the green will take over um it seems um so i kind of I frag some of the regular and then mix the two together and they'll kind of mix again, like splice them That's together. Cool. Um, but if you leave it alone and don't frag it, one will win 
it's it's like you kind of always i mean in my display the the main colony it's mostly just the original coral there's a couple spots the green streaking out so i kind of cut around it and keep that yeah that's what i've heard about the uh the rainbow splices that it seems like one color the green dominates but uh i guess it depends on who you who you ask um but um definitely seems like a unique piece I think unless you keep working at it, it it'll go. One will take over. Like what what it has for me, right? It's, I mean, I don't know why it's called a splice. Is it they didn't actually take two corals and cut them in half and then splice them together? Like it's just yeah. I don't know the origins of the whole thing. I gotta like I, I gotta dig a little bit deeper myself. Um, yeah. All right, man. Listen, it's uh, we've been on for an hour and a half, and I want to be respectful of your uh, your okay. time. Any uh, any final thoughts, Jay, before we wrap it up? All right. I any mean, advice I for think, folks out there? I'm gonna say, yeah, keep it simple. Don't fall for all those elixirs and potions that all the companies are uh, pushing down our throats. Um, I mean, like, <clears throat> I mean, I've, we've been reading for a long time, and all these stuff are new. We were fine before. Uh, I don't have, you know, 10 different dosing pumps running my system. Uh, I just started dosing nitrates for the first time a couple months ago. And, like, I'm just, uh, if it's, nothing happens fast, right? Um, And monitor your corals, test often, and relax. That's good advice. Simple, your tank. The simpler your tank is, the more you're going to enjoy the hobby. And find a good club and a good, and the friends you'll make out of it are amazing. And you'll have someone for advice out of that. So find someone you can get for advice and a good club. That helps a lot. Yeah, I totally agree with that thinking. Mentors are, uh, are a great thing, and, and uh, like minded folks definitely can help one another mm-hmm. for sure. Coral What's that? Find a coral yeah, bank. Yeah, there you go. Yes, big. coral banks. I lost a lot of acro and wish I had had that coral again, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you don't have two systems well, and you can't back it up, then get a buddy to have a you know bank bank your corals. Um. So, all right, they could find you on the web at uh, unorthodoxreef.ca, right? On yeah. Instagram as unorthodox <clears throat> underscore. Reef, anything else uh, we want to tell folks out there to um, how to find you? I mean, I, I, one day I got to get used to YouTube and set it up. I do. I am on YouTube, um, but uh, I, I, I've tried to make a couple of videos, and it, it ends up taking so much time that it, I'd rather just look at my tank. <laughs> it does take? I could, I could, I could definitely uh, say that producing YouTube videos is uh, it's, it takes a lot of time. Definitely takes a lot of time. They don't make it. They don't make it no. easy. You think it's it, the music's everything's hard, right? But Instagram's easy. Um, I'm on Instagram often. If you, anybody has any questions, feel free to send me a message. I try to answer everybody. Uh, Facebook. I have a Facebook uh, page on Orthodox Reef. You can reach me there too. Um, yeah, I just. That's pretty cool. much it. Well, Jay, man, listen, thank you so much for uh, for being a guest. I really no, um, you. appreciate you uh, being on, and I love talking reef with you, man. So, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks to Jay, and thanks to everybody else out there tuning in. 
I also want to thank both the uh, Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine for being the sponsors of the uh, the live stream tonight. And uh, thank thank uh, to you um, um, people out there in terms of uh, contributing to the uh, conversation and the questions were awesome. Also want to make sure that you know that all episodes of Wrapping with Reef Bum are now available as podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitchers, and Stitcher, not Stitchers. <laughs> And finally, if you'd like to recommend a guest for the show, and it cannot be you, then uh, please uh, direct message me on uh, on Instagram. My next live stream, we were talking about um, Club Zero J, is going to be Paul Allen, who's the president of Boston Reefer Society. So he's going to be a guest next Thursday, March 10th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. He's also the moderator. Great Bearded Reef. Thank you, Paul, man, for, for being a moderator. We'll, uh, we'll get to see your face next week on the uh, on the live stream so it should be another great show until then be safe be well and we will see you next time thanks a lot